0: Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Are you glad to be in the house of God this morning, church? Isn't it good to be here. Very very blessed by the music, encouraged by the word. Thank you, Nick, for sharing about Marianne. Again, yeah, have have now. Now. Thank you for praying uh, throughout the week for Marianne. She's home. She's recovering. Uh, like, like Nick was telling us, she is going to be uh, just laying low for a couple of weeks until she has her surgery. She has, she's going to have valve surgery to repair. Uh, whatever makes your valves do this in your heart, that piece needs to be fixed on both of her valves. So, so um, they're not, not sure, sure if it's going to be, be extensive open heart, heart or if they're going to be able, able to do it, it. Um, um, microscopically or whatever you would call that. But, uh, but they sure they appreciate, appreciate your prayers. And I told Marianne yesterday, I said, I'm, I'm done, done, done talking to the, the whole church on behalf of you. Behalf of you. You're, you're, out of you're out of the hospital. It's, it's time, time for you to start sure texting people. people. I'm, I'm done. i need about three days to tap out of this thing, you know. But she called me last night, and she's got a very dark and... A dry sense of humor. She said, My husband just got back with all of my new prescriptions. I guess I'm just like you now, right? That's, what's, that's what she wanted to let me know about last night. But uh, hey, if you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to open up to 1 John chapter number 3. I say this all the time. If you don't have a Bible, you can look at your U you version. If you don't have U version, download U version. Okay? But. If you guys, somebody do me a favor, I hate to say this. Can you turn on these middle set of lights, please? I want to see everybody's beautiful faces. Thank you very, very much. Jack was leaning on Tammy's shoulder a little bit. It was getting kind of weird, so I want to make sure we can see everybody. But um, if you don't have a copy of the Bible, we have copies available for you. We bought a bunch of them at a super-duper discounted price, and I'm not trying to sell you anything. I want to, if you don't have 15 bucks on you, I'll give you a Bible. But if you want to replace the one that you have, we have Bibles. We're, we're selling at cost uh, in our kind of swag shop uh, after the service in our Warehouse Cares booth. We have a bunch of Bibles there. We'd sure like to give you one so that you can read it and be in God's Word daily. Um, you hear me talk about all the time how my, my father uh, raised me. We're from Philadelphia, of course, and my father raised me to be a very, very passionate follower of all things Philadelphian sports. And one of the things, I'm, I'm going I'm to be a little humble in my, my chatter about this this morning. Uh, one of the things that, that, that we do know about being a Philadelphia sports fans are, and this is really, really important information I want you to remember, you know, it's going to really change your life, okay? But um, the Philadelphia Phillies, the baseball team in Philadelphia, is the oldest active sports franchise in all of North America. Now, whatever that means, it means something, right? And the Philadelphia people are you know, having revival this morning over here, my, the Gilchrist family. But uh, because of that, and because baseball currently has 162 games in a season, the Philadelphia Phillies are also the first sports franchise to have 10,000 losses in, their, uh, in the lifetime of their... Yes, yeah, so that's, that, that's something that makes the rest of you a little bit more happy, right? First team ever to have... 10,000 losses. And I've been to a lot of those losses. I've been to lots and lots and lots of lean, lean, lean years when my dad would say, hey, we're going to a ball game tonight. I'm like, dad, I can't see them lose again. We got to go to a game they're going to win, right? And it's just one of those things. If you invest all of that time and really all of that money and you're spending five times what you normally would on food and stuff and they wind up losing, you kind of feel betrayed a little bit. Like, man, I just put this whole night into this stinking team, and they couldn't even win this game for me. you got to be kidding. And that's kind of where you see some of that Philly attitude that the people that are still in Philly have. I'm so Dallas now, and I'm just so cool and collected and all that stuff. But uh, that's why you see Philly people have a chip on their shoulders. One reason is is because our sports teams have been brutal for our whole lives. We had a little bit of light a couple years ago, but it's just it's been a tough thing. And it's interesting how... We, when you go into a, 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 a commitment to a sporting team or go to an event like that, it really, even if, even if you're playing a team you're supposed to beat, it's kind of a 50-50 proposition, right? You don't know what's going to happen at the end of that. And I think in our lives, and we're going to talk about this in this passage of Scripture today, I think in our lives it's, it, it really is much easier when things are black and white as opposed to being gray, right? Uh, where you're just kind of like, well, I'm not really... I'm not really sure about... And and we kind of approach decisions in our lives like that, too. I mean, there are just some decisions that are black and white, really easy to make. I need to do this. I don't need to do this. But then sometimes we hit those gray areas, right? Should I eat a piece of birthday cake today? Gray area. Should I, you know, uh, go see my mother-in-law today? Well, maybe I could send my wife, right? I mean, but we have those things that we're confronted with all of the time where where we have that little dialogue. I don't know how I don't know if you're like me, but do you ever feel like you're going crazy because you have both sides of your voices talking in your head at the same time? You shouldn't, you should, you shouldn't, you should, you shouldn't, you should. And I'm like, honey, come here, can you slap the mess out of me? (laughs) Rattle my head so I can get my thinking straight again, right? Because sometimes we spend a lot we spend a lot of time negotiating with ourselves. Did you ever find yourself in like that? Well I you know I know, but it's and and you've probably said this, I've said it too it's not that big of a deal (laughs) or nobody's gonna know about it. And, And you know what's funny about religion? Religion kind of, religion itself kind of teaches us that. Well, I hope I found favor with God. I can't tell you how many times I've been with people, visiting them in hospitals, visiting them in their home and just talking to them. Well, I just hope when it's all said and done, God remembers all the good stuff that I did. I hope when it's all said and done, the, the, the scale, right? That spiritual scale that all of us keep of hopefully we're doing a little bit more good. You know, sometimes we feel like we're teetering in the middle or maybe we're on the bad side a little bit and we have to spend the rest of our life a little bit of makeup time for the crazy stuff we did when we were little. But God doesn't want you to live your life wondering about your relationship with him. And the thing about being a part of a Bible teaching, Bible believing church is this. We, not because it's me, but because we, our church, believes that the Bible is the only true source of final authority. It's the only place we could go to where we're guided with absolute truth. The Bible says in Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And when we submit to the word of God, big questions. And it's kind of funny. I'm reading through the Old Testament right now. I'm getting, today I finished Exodus. So tomorrow i got to start that. Time to get some discipline in your life and read through Leviticus, right? I'm going to have to kind of barrel through that a little bit because it's a little harder to read. And, and I know that when, when I'm reading through the Word of God, even stuff that happened 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 years ago, and you're like, well, you know, that's ancient history. We read stuff about you know, America's birthday 200 and some years ago. That seems like ancient, ancient history. Uh, when I, I was talking to a young man this morning. I said, who was the first president of the United States? Who was the first president of the United States? Ancient history. When was the last time the Dallas Cowboys won the uh, Super Bowl? 1995. Ancient history, before you were born. You can only read about it in history books. That's the only reason you know it's true. Boom. Anyway, so so you read about these things, but when we read the Bible, it's relevant, right? It's true. It doesn't fail us, and it helps us understand Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and we can't have a relationship with God unless it's through Him. So when we're reading through this book of 1 John, John wants us to understand, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are going to heaven. I can't wait till we get into chapter 5 and do verses 11 through 13. It's one of my, you know, I'm going to tell you why. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it's an area in my life that I struggled with with the longest time believing that God still loved me and God really did save me because, you know, I got saved when I was young, and then I had some, I had some dark years. Anybody have some dark years in their life? You know, you, go, you, you don't want to talk about it, but the people you talk about it with, you're like, oh, I'm glad I'm not alone in my misery, right? It's kind of that kind of thing. And I, and I remember, there was like a year period where I asked Jesus to come into my heart like every single day for a whole year. And then God just illuminated this truth out of 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13 to help me understand, I love you, you are saved. Stop listening to the liar who's wanting you to believe that you don't have a relationship with me. So when we read through these verses today, 1 John 3, 11 through 24, John goes through what is even to him ancient history. He starts talking about some stuff that happened back in Genesis uh, chapter, uh, three and four. So let's read this together. First John chapter three, verses 11 through 24. And I'm going to be reading from the new living translation this week. And I'm pretty sure that's what we're going to have up on the screen today as well. And if it's not, it's my fault. Okay. Verse 11. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Okay. Pretty simple. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill his brother? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother was doing what was right. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Uh, If we love our brothers and sisters, we're believers. It proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anybody who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know that what real love is because Jesus... Our example gave up his love for gave his love for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If somebody has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister that's in need, but they don't show compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love one another. Let us show it by by uh, the tr- but let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God, even if we feel guilty, that God is greater... I love this. God is greater than our feelings. That's a great phrase to circle right there. And God knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we could come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from him whatever we ask. We obey him and do the things that pleases him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ... And love one another just as he's commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him, and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit that he gave us lives in us. So this is we're gonna unpack some, some things here. It's gonna be a little bit extreme in the beginning, but it's gonna get to a place where all of us, I'm sure, would agree with. But here's the thing about the Bible: we can agree with what the Bible says. But here's what we have to understand about the Word of God. The word of God is not just information. It's information for application. Right? When we read a truth and we go, yeah, I believe that. The Bible says that the devils, like all of Satan's army, all the demons that that exist that, that 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 are trying to come after us and tempt us and hurt us and destroy our lives. The Bible says they believe in God. And their belief causes them to tremble because they know what their future looks like. So it's not just believing, yeah, I believe that the Bible's true, but it's applying it to our lives. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again three days later. Therefore, I want to accept his gift of salvation, invite him to forgive me of my sins, live in my heart, and help me to live for him. That's the application of the information that you receive, okay? So so John talks about different levels of relationship, super-duper extreme to super-practical, but I hope... As we move along with this, you're going to see how significant it is that we live out our salvation every day. So four levels of relationships. Here's the first one, right? He talked about Cain and Abel. So we know the story of Cain and Abel is, is that, what was that famous statement that uh, Cain said when God came after him after he killed Abel? My my brother's keeper? Right? My my brother's keeper? So Cain killed his brother Abel because he was jealous. Cain killed his brother Abel because Abel did the right thing. Cain killed his brother Abel because... As the Bible says here, he allowed Satan to influence his life to do the wrong thing. And it's an extreme, right? I don't know. I, I hope there's not. I don't believe there's anybody in our presence this morning that's an intention that, 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 that's, that has this a, to be a part of their life. But this story's is significant. It says, this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, right? That, and it sounds, well, we should love one another. We should love one another. And don't be like Cain who killed his brother, what a, what a far, far, far extreme. Love everybody and don't be a murderer, right? And everybody would go, yeah, I agree with that. We shouldn't murder people. I don't think anybody would say that we should be murderers, right? But then he talks about how Cain was doing what was wrong and his brother was doing what was righteous. So Cain killed his brother. He was under the control of Satan. He hated and he killed Abel for doing right. And, and here's what's funny. It's like one of those really, really simple T-shirts that, that, that you see people have with really silly messages on it, Uh, don't kill, right? So if I were to say that to you, hey, church, if you believe that we should not be murderers, all God's people said, of course, amen, right? That's not a big deal, but there's there's a thought that John is building to here. He starts out with a super-duper extreme statement, God told us to love one another, don't be murderers, but then that thought starts to expand a little bit when you hit verses 13 through 15, the next level of extreme negativity, these first two, of relationships is hatred. Now Jesus had a lot to say about hatred. There's a lot of, that's written about hatred that's in First John, as well. Uh, in verses 13 through 15, the first thing it says: Don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Like the world, in our world, we have we have. I think we're very very aware of our ultimate enemy, and that's Satan. But we have other enemies too, in our lives. Satan is our enemy. The world system, not the world itself, but the world system that Satan's under control of currently is our enemy. And another enemy that I think we undervalue a lot is ourselves. Like we are our own enemy sometimes because we're the ones that have to make decisions. We're the ones that have to say yes or no. We're the ones that have to apply these truths that God teaches us every day. God's not going to hold you down in a stranglehold and say, believe in my son. He gives you something called free will and choice. He wants you to choose him. He wants you to choose eternal life. He wants you to choose to accept his gift of salvation. He wants you to choose to accept his gift of forgiveness. So listen to what he says here. Don't be surprised. Uh, It says, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Which means this. If we, brothers and sisters, John's talking to here, people that are spiritually related to him, people that believe in Jesus Christ, John says what the world stands for is going to hate who you are And don't be surprised. And I don't know in my lifetime if I've ever seen that more true than today. Right? Now, it's kind of funny with some of the, you know, some of the things that are happening in our country today and the messaging and and, and just all this stuff that's all around us. I've heard a lot of people say, boy, Christians and Christianity are really under attack right now. You should go to a, a country that's under communist rule or a country that forbids Christianity for a couple days to make you appreciate how good we have it here in the United States of America. We think taking a stand for our Christianity in the United States of America is saying something about Jesus, the church, and Christianity on Facebook, right? And then the Facebook police taking it off. Oh, I've been oppressed this week. Facebook said, I can't say this thing about God or Jesus or about forgiveness or about this or about this. So I'm... I've, I've, been, I've experienced some, some spiritual oppression in my life. No, you haven't. Nobody in this room has really experienced spiritual oppression to the degree where we've had to make a life or choice decision on whether or not we're going to be a follower of Christ. Right? And what John is telling, John understood it because he had to face life or death. Uh, John was actually boiled and exiled to this island called Patmos. Patmos. And on this island called Patmos, Jesus appeared to him, God and his Holy Spirit, appeared to John, gave him, these, gave him like a really a front row seat of what uh, the end times were going to look like in the book of Revelation. And John writes all these things about, and this is going to happen, and the seven vials, and the seven judgments, and, and Revelation is a great, great study to make. But he reads, he goes through all the, seeing them through the eyes of a guy that was alive a couple thousand years ago. So there's some things that he described that maybe would not be relevant in the way that we would describe them today. But man, you can't read through Revelation today and say that prophecy hasn't took place yet. Right now, we believe, I believe, that everything that needs to happen before Jesus Christ comes back and takes his believers back up into heaven, it's all lined up. We just, and here's what the Bible says we gotta be ready. And here's what being ready means we want Jesus to come back when we're doing the right thing. Like, don't you want to get caught doing the right thing? Wouldn't it be great if, like, one Sunday morning you weren't feeling good, you're like, oh, man, it's just been such a long week, and I deserve some sleep, and I deserve a day off, and, I, and you're like, you know what, no, I really need to go to church, right? You get up, you go to church, you're walking in the front door going, man, I'm glad I made the right decision today, and then Jesus comes back. Wouldn't that be cool? Because you know he's going to be in heaven and go, I see you. You know what I'm saying? I see you, bro. You did the right thing today. But unfortunately, the thing that I fear is, is that I'm not going to be doing the right thing, right? And I don't want to say I live in fear in my relationship with God. I just want to to please him with my life, don't you, this morning? Right? So John says, don't be surprised if this evil system comes after you and hates you. But then he talks about this. That that has to do with what happened to Cain, uh, what happened with Cain to his brother named Abel. Then he says in 14, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers... He said it proves, it means this, it's evidence. It's evidence of a relationship that exists in you because of Jesus Christ. And what's, what's amazing about this is loving your brothers and sisters. My dad used to say this to me all the time. Not How many of you have siblings? Raise your hand up in the air. How many of you ever gotten into a fight with your siblings growing up, oh, raising your hand? I know you two girls have, right? How many of you have ever, with one of your, now don't raise your hand, I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I could tell you it happened to me, have ever said to your brother or sister, I hate you. I've said it, right? My brother Paul and I, he's two years younger than me, we used to get in battle royale dukes, man, with our fists, and we'd be rolling around, and we'd be punching each other. He got up one time and he said, oh, I hate you, and I went, you're not allowed to say that. And I cracked him in the jaw, right? Which was an expression of hatred, right? But we would just get in these battle, 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 all this, because we both were very strong-willed people. and that both grew up to be pastors. Go figure, right? So we were getting all these fights growing up, and this and this and that happened. I remember saying that to him. And I'll tell you, and I know if you're my age, you've done this too. How many of you have had to go back and apologize to your siblings to things that happened when you were growing up? I have. Hey, Paul. I'm sorry I wasn't a better brother when we were younger. I'm sorry. He was like, yeah, you were really a jerk. And I'm like, yeah, well, you could apologize too. No, I didn't say that to him. <laughs> but it's interesting how Jesus talks about something that seems so, John's talking about something that's pretty elementary. Other people that claim the name of Jesus were part of a bigger picture family called the family of God, the church, the big church, not just the local church. And John says here, You're supposed to love people that you're related to. Like our parents would say to us, you're supposed to love your brother. And I'd be like, well, I didn't ask him to be born. I don't care, he's your brother. You're supposed to love him, watch out for him. And that's really what John is saying here to us. He says, um, if, if if we love our brothers and sisters, verse 14, it proves that we have passed from death to life, which means we have had a transformational decision to make Jesus Christ the Savior of our life. And then you have that word, but, but a person who has no love, is dead. So here's what John is saying, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so that you and I can understand today, in our lives, which is extremely relevant. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, what what does that mean literally? Just like some of our students here that got baptized last week and got saved at camp. They were confronted with a truth. The truth is, I need my sins forgiven. The truth is, I can't do that on my own. The truth is God sent his son Jesus so that I and you and all of us can have forgiveness of our sins. And he provided that a way to do that because he paid for every wrong thing that you and I ever did. And the only thing we need to do is accept that truth. Now, here's what happens. Once we accept that truth that Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, now if you're in Christ, say Amen. That means you're a believer. That means you put your faith and trust in your forever and ever and ever and ever and today in Jesus Christ. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation or new, crea- new creature. And it says this, old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. Here's what John is saying. Here's what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians. If you are what you were, then you ain't. Okay, now think about that for a second. If you're still the same person and that belief that you made in Jesus Christ, has it changed your heart or changed your thinking a little bit, you probably have not put your full faith and trust in him. You say, wait a minute, I believe. The, the devils believe and they tremble. Like giving your full faith to trust God, I believe it, I receive it, I need it, I can't do it without you, please come into my life. And help me to live for you, right? So the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that God not only said he loved us, but he demonstrated his love for us. Even though we were sinners, Christ died for us, okay? So I, I, I believe this with all my heart because of what the Bible says. When Jesus comes into your life, there's a change that takes place. Now, there's a process that you go under. But there's also a change that happens. Now, that doesn't mean everything's really, really good and awesome, right? The day you get saved, the next day you got a lot of money in your bank account, your wife loves you, all, you know, you're, you're healed and all that stuff. That's not what that means. Some people wanted to believe that. But here's what it does mean. You have a secure position with your relationship in God forever and ever and ever and ever. And it ought to change the way that you think. It ought to change the motivations for the way that you live. So I believe that Jesus forgave me of my sins... So there ought to be some gratitude in our heart for that. Do you agree with that this morning? Wow, Lord, you forgave me. You forgive me every time. 1 John 1.9, we read it a couple weeks ago. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every time we ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. So what ought our heart be towards him? A heart of gratitude, right? And because we're part of his family, we're going to start talking like him and hopefully acting like him. And hopefully start living like him because we're allowing him to influence our lives. Matthew 5.22, Jesus had something very, very specific to say about hating people. He said this in Matthew chapter 5. If you say you're even angry with somebody, ah, I'm so mad at that person, right? If you even say that you're angry with somebody, you're you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, and I hated reading this in this version. I did it for this particular reason this morning. Because idiot is a word that I use when I'm driving. Okay? And I was driving the other day. I was in the lane I was supposed to be in. I was doing the speed limit I was supposed to do. I was getting ready to get off. And then somebody did this move where they kind of whipped around me to get in front of me. And then they put their brakes on. And I'm like, you stinking idiot. I don't think it was anybody in this room. I don't think it was. I I thought it was Joey for a minute because I I was looking over, but it wasn't Joey. And I kind of felt bad because I'm reading through this passage this week, and it says, yeah, if you call somebody an idiot, I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. They don't hear me. I'm only talking to myself, and God's like, it really isn't about what they hear. It's about what I hear. You know, so I had a little moment with Jesus in my car this week again. And here's what Jesus says. If you say those things or feel that way, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Here's what Jesus says. Murder's bad, but it's no worse than hatred. What? What do you mean? There's course I hate my enemies. I hate this. I hate this and hate this. Jesus says, if my love is in you, you ready, church? Hatred doesn't exist. That's a natural consequence of a decision that you've made to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, And I think it's really interesting. He says, again, don't be surprised that the world hates you. He says, loving fellowship, uh, loving fellow Christians is tangible proof of your relationship with Jesus. And then he comes out strongly and says this in verse number 15. If you hate fellow believers, then Jesus is not in you. I think that's something we all need to be careful of. Right? Because all of us have been hurt by other believers. I've had some family members hurt me egregiously when I was little. Really, really, really bad. And it took me years and years and years in counseling and help. And I think, because I'm going to tell you something else. This is a little freebie for you this morning. I think everybody needs counseling. Right? So tell somebody you're sitting next to you, you need counseling. No, don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. I think all of us need counseling at some level or another. I really, really do. Spiritual guidance at some level in all of our lives, right? Well, what's interesting is, I don't know if hatred's... uh, I think hatred is something we all struggle with. And I think that's such an extreme emotion that when it happens, the Holy Spirit, you'll feel that Holy Spirit just saying, dude, you can't do that. You need to make that right and start treating that person right. And God does what he does. He convicts us of our sin, not to make us feel bad like religion teaches, but so that we would confront it, make it right with him, so that he'll bless us. Because God wants to bless us because we're his kids, amen? So here's the one I think that most of us probably have to wrestle with, right? It's not murder, you know, oh, man, I'm not a murderer, amen, right? Or hatred, oh, okay, I can see that. Maybe I need to treat people a little bit better. And most of the time, hatred is not expressed verbally. Where does hatred exist? It's in your heart. It's in your attitude. And you can see it. Did you ever see somebody that was just like super-duper angry-looking and mad all the time? Like, man, that dude's got hatred in their heart. That lady has hatred in her heart. Here's the one where I think most, most Christians, believers in Jesus, struggle And that's indifference. That's that that gray area. No, I'm not a murderer. I'm not going to. Maybe I see myself being hateful sometimes, but I don't really hate people. But indifference. Verse 16 says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life up for us. He was our example. So we also ought to give our lives up for our brothers and sisters. If somebody has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but doesn't show compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Listen to what it says in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. You ready? Here's here's, here's the process of being clean. Then he says this. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. You must have the same attitude or lifestyle that Jesus Christ had. So, Jesus is, and I know you would agree with me, do you believe that Jesus is our ultimate example? Say amen. So, if Jesus is our ultimate example, don't just look at the things that he said, all truth and all perfect. Look at the things that he did. He loved people that were awful to him. On the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right? Why did he do that? To be our example to show us how we're supposed to live and act in our world today. And here's what happens to us, church. We have got to guard our hearts against, right? We don't, we're not going to be extreme haters, murderers. No, we disagree with that. But here's what we also guard ourselves against. Well, I don't want people to think I'm like a Jesus fanatic and like I'm super-duper this or I'm super-duper that. And, and, and So I'm just going to kind of dwell somewhere like right in the middle a little bit and blend in and kind of be a camouflage Christian. Because I don't want to hurt people's feelings, right? And I don't, want to, I don't want to be an extremist, and I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do that. And, and I think God is very specific about that. I know God is very specific about that in the book of Revelation. He said, I wish that you were hot or cold, because when you're lukewarm, it makes me want to When he says spit you out, you know what that means? It means he wants to regurgitate you, like right? And that's a man talking, so how do men throw up? Women throw up, they're like it's just like a little tiny sound, but when men throw up, they're calling out. You know, they're calling out the warlords in the nether regions. Scream! Bah! That's how God feels when we live a lukewarm life, life towards Him. It makes Him sick, right? And here's what God expects from us. God expects from us, and here's the last, the last point that I'll share with you this morning: to treat each other with cru- with true Christian love. I don't think that's anything anybody would disagree with. Should we love one another? Yes, pastor, of course we should love one another. I don't think anybody's going to come up to me after church and say, I, I get it, but I don't know if I agree with you 100%. I if you do, I'm, I'm okay with that. I would, I, would, I would encourage some dialogue. I love that. You know that it's true, right? Information is true. What's the difficult part? It's the application. Right? True Christian love. Verse 18. Dear children, it's not merely that we should love each other. Like, uh, you know, and there's so many great marriage applications in this. And let me throw a little little commercial out there to you for Wednesday night. Uh, Kim and I are leading a class on Wednesday night um, called Love Languages. And we're going to talk about marriage. And listen, it's not going to be like a teacher format where I'm like, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's going to be conversations. We're going to get to know each other good. It's going to be a four- to maybe it's supposed to be five week life group that started last week. Well, I hope we can extend that last week on it. We weren't able to do it this week because of Marianne's um, health situation that we were very dialed into. But this Wednesday, we're really looking forward to it. I hope you'll come. We had lots of, I hope the people that signed up are still coming and don't drop off. And if your husband or wife are away this week, you're still welcome to come. The, f- the great thing is, if you come and your husband or wife doesn't, you're kind of allowed to talk about them. So that's, that's encouraging, you know, if you do that. Well, we're going to have a great time together. I hope that you'll be a part of that and get, get to know, you know, get to know Kim and I better if you don't know us very well, and we'll get to know you better as well. Uh, again, when he's, the, 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 these truths that we write about here, we can really, there's a lot of marriage parallels that go into that. Like, he says, don't merely say that you love one another, and that's true about marriage, right? I mean, we, we do, we say it all the time when we're on the phone or when we're saying goodbye or when we're talking to one another or I drop her off somewhere where we're leaving each other for a couple days. It's like catechism. Ha-da, ha-da, and I love you. Right? And we're supposed to say, that's like the, the official goodbye on the end of a phone call, isn't it? No, 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 I love you. Okay, now you can hang up the phone. Well, we know that in marriage, marriage can't be just saying I love you. We have to do what? We have to demonstrate our love. Like, I can tell Kim I love her. Hey, I love you. You know, people are like, you better love her. You could know where to do better than her. I know that. I know that. But it's one thing to say I love you to her. It's another thing to demonstrate my love for her, and that's what John is saying here about Christianity. You can say you love people. It's isn't it easy to? We have a big love fest on Sunday morning. Oh, it's good to see you. There's lots and lots of hugs and warm greetings and happiness and warm coffee and somebody saying "Amen" loud to this. Great air conditioning and. Right, it's just like, man, it's a love fest in here. We're having a great crowd. We ought to love one another. You're like, amen, right? We're looking around, and we're all happy, and we agree with that, right? But here's the other thing. What about people you disagree with? You're supposed to love them. What about some of you ticked at? Let me ask you a question this morning. Has anybody in their life had anybody tick them off in the last week or so? Raise your hand up in the air. Have they been a Christian, right? Sure it has. Here's verse 19. Our actions will show... Our actions will prove whether or not we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God, even when we feel guilty. And this is beautiful. God is greater than our feelings. Here's what's significant about that, right? And I know this goes back to Darth Vader talking to who he didn't know was his son yet, Luke Skywalker. And he said to Luke Skywalker, your feelings betray you, right? They, your feelings betray you. That's true about our life. Because if, if, if we're going to be true to ourselves and really, really be transparent about who we are, what we are on the outside isn't always who we are on the inside. you agree with that? And what we want to do on the outside, we want everybody to see everything's good. I want people to see Kim and I have a perfect marriage. So we put all of our great, great pictures on Facebook all the time. Oh, you guys have such and such a great family. You're, I don't take pictures of her and I when we're fighting, right? Kim and I were mad at each other today. Give a good growl, click. We don't do that, right? We're not showing those highlights. We're showing the good highlights, right? Uh, and it's funny, too, because I don't know what, what it is in your marriage. When I'm taking pictures and putting them on social media, I have to get mine approved. I don't know if anybody else is like that. I'll, and I'll take like eight pictures. <laughs> okay, honey, which one am I allowed to put up on social media, right? I mean, I could be like all jacked up looking and goofy and it's not running down my face. But if she looks good, the picture's been approved and it's all good, right? That's how we do it, right? Because the outward appearance, outward, and that's what we we spend so much time seeking approval from others on stuff that's where on the outside. The Bible says, Ugh. "There's some things." There are times when you'll when you hear me or another somebody else talking or your life group leader say, "Well, the Bible says," and you hear it and you'll go, "Amen." The Bible says that God loves everybody. We love that. Don't we love that? The Bible says that he doesn't want us to be hypocrites. The Bible says if you have Jesus inside of your heart, you're not to hate other people. And the Bible says because you have Jesus in your heart and you're allowed to hate other people, you have to prove it. And that's sometimes where the Bible... um, Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Everything in the Bible is from God. And it's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, which means that's where we get all the truth. For reproof, for correction, right? This is the guideline where we go to people and say, Hey, you shouldn't be doing that because the book says this. Not because of my opinion. For doctrine, for reproof. For correction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be made perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We need the Bible to live our lives the way that we're supposed to live them. But here's the thing, church. We've got to submit to it. And that's a total different thing than saying you believe it. So here's, what, here's how this finishes out here. God's greater than our feelings. I love that. He knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him to do the things that please him. This is interesting. Go back and read through the Lord's Prayer in... Matthew chapter 6, I believe, right? Jesus shares this model of the Lord's prayer: Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. What does he say next? And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those that have trespassed against us. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. So when we pray... We teach this model, this outline that Jesus used in the Lord's Prayer with this, this what's it called when you use the first letter of words? you Are really, really smart? Somebody in education? Yes, an acronym. One of our teachers. Come on, you old people. Help me out here, okay? It's an acronym. Thank you. You got it. I got you, bro. Cowboys still stink. Anyway, acronym. The acronym for prayer is ACTS. A, and this is right through the model of the Lord's Prayer. Adoration. Know who you're talking to. Right? And when you're talking to God, it's with some respect and honor. Right? Do you agree with that? C is confession. Right? A, C. T is thanksgiving. And then the last thing in our prayer is supplication. John says here, whatever's not right in your heart, get it right so that when you do pray to God, you'll know that the windows of heaven will be open to you because your sins are confessed and God's going to work through your life and bless you. It says in verse 22, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey and do the things that please him. This is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he's commanded us. Those who obey God's commands remain in fellowship with him and he and them. And we know that he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives within us. So let me share this with you and I'll pray. God blesses us when we love one another. He blesses us in three different ways. First of all, the assurance of our relationship in him. God's assurance of your salvation is something very, very precious, and he wants you to know that you have. He doesn't want you living your whole life going, I hope, I hope, I hope, maybe, I think, I tried. He wants you to know that there is life in him because of Jesus Christ, his son. Um, God blesses us when we love one another, secondly, because of answer prayer. We ought to come, God wants you to go confidently before him, but when you do, confess your sins. And if you're not sure, David said this in Psalm 51. God, cleanse me from secret faults. Cleanse me from things that I've forgotten about. Or can you stir up your Holy Spirit to help me remember so I can confess it, make it right with you so that you'll bless me? And he also wants to bless you when you love one another by letting you know that he will abide in you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. We know that. We hear that. We agree with it. We believe that. And then it says, this is the first commandment. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second commandment, which is equal to it, is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Ah, that's, the, that's the one we have, we, we have a hard time with. Let me finish up with you this morning by reading something great out of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight because of our faith, we can have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us to this place of an undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice also when we run into problems and trials. That's all of us. We all have that happen in our lives. For we know that that will help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident uh, hope of salvation. And this is the hope. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he gave us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. All throughout the book, this is what we've been talking about. Ready? Obedience, love, and truth. Ready? When we obey the truth, that's when we're going to learn to love one another. Do you agree with the truth? Say amen. Now we all have to apply this. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we need your word so desperately. Even when I'm encouraging our church family, live online and meetings throughout the week, stay in the Bible, stay in the Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. It's part of every counseling meeting I have. Get in the word, get in the word. That's what's going to change us. It's going to help us understand God better. It's going to guide us. It's a guide. It's a a light that we need so desperately. Lord, I need it every single day. So when I'm encouraging people to read your word, Lord. I'm saying that from a platform of because I need it just as bad or worse than anybody else does. All of us do. But it's real easy to be indifferent. Well, I go to church, they read the Bible there. It's easy for us to be indifferent about people that need Jesus. Oh, somebody else will invite them to church. It's easy for us to be indifferent about being a peacemaker. Well, that's not my responsibility. I do not really start the conflict. When your word tells us here, if we love God, if He's changed our lives, one of the evidences that we're going to live out and try to grow and, 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 and uh, develop in our lives is, is a love for other brothers and sisters in Christ. So Lord, help me uh, to love our church family, to love other believers the way that we all ought to. Help every man and woman in this room, whether it's somebody they're in conflict with or somebody they're not even sure that there's a conflict with, Lord, that they would learn to love them. And, and make those things right. Because here's what happens. When we do those things, you're honored and you're glorified, which is the very core of the purpose of our life. We exist to bring honor and glory to you. So help us live in obedience, help us to live in love, and help us to live in truth. Real quick, before we f- close out in prayer, just keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed. Super-duper general statement. And if you respond to this, I would encourage you, please see me in the hallway today. I'd love to get together with you this week. If not, in my office, or over coffee, or over a meal, even over the phone. But how many of you would say to me, Pastor, I've got some things going on in my life, and I just need you to pray for me. I don't want to be real specific about it, but would you pray for me? If that's true about you, lift your hand up in the air. All over the room, pray for me, pray for my family. We've got stuff going on. need you terribly. I need you, Lord. How many of you would say this this morning, and I'm going to close with this question. I need to apply this truth of loving other brothers and sisters in Christ. Please pray for me. That's true about you. Raise your hand up You know our hearts, Lord, and I thank you for the response that people gave to you. Guide us in your truth today. Help us to obey you. And help us to love one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all those in agreement said, Amen. I'm going to ask myself. Son-